Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts and give us that five-star rating. Maybe even leave a review to let others know what you think of the show. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about the variety that you get right here on the CEP Network. In this episode, Patrick and I chat about the new year, Saved by the Bell, the movie Death to 2020, and we interview undefeated rising star in the UFC, Natan Levy. We really enjoyed getting Natan's backstory, and we think you're going to enjoy it as well. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Raised on the Radios, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or topics you would like to get our thoughts on, don't hesitate to reach out. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out another episode of Raised on the Radio. Number 49, that is, actually. I am one half of the show. I am Colt Brocato, my good friend Patrick Blair in Zoomland, as usual. And I'm pretty pumped for this episode today. We will have a special guest here in about a half an hour or so. Possibly an up-and-coming, rising, undefeated star in the UFC. Possibly. Well, he is up and coming. He is rising and he's undefeated. So okay. I don't know what's possible about all that. And he is all of those things. We'll be talking to him in a bit. Yeah. Happy New Year. Absolutely, dude. 2020 is fucking over. It is. Are I need... you excited about this or what? Well, I want to ask you about your thoughts on like this whole New Year thing. Like, is it that big of a deal to you? Like that it's just that it's a new year. Like, do you look at it as there's so many possibilities that it's a new year or is it just like that year is over with now we can make this better somehow. <laughs> there's a new number that I need to remember when I fill out dates on things. That's it. It's going to at least it's going to a couple weeks. I'm going to forget. Yeah. I was gonna say it's going to take at least a month to remember that. I don't, I don't really subscribe to the, oh, it's a new year, new possibilities. Like, I'm all about being positive, and believe me. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> that, may be, that may be a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, you know, because I, I was trying to be positive throughout a shitty year anyway. True. You know? Yeah. So that shitty year is just carried over. Nothing's changed. Right. Yet. But we're only three days in. So, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in a different position though. Like 2020 for me, honestly, it was pretty cool. Have a new addition to my family. You know and, what I mean? Like, and you got to stay well, at home with, you got to stay home with him most of the year. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, whatever. It's a number to me right now, which is fine. You know, but I, I get, I get why people dude, look, I get why people are hopeful that just because there's a new number, everything's going to magically just turn to sunshine and roses again. Right. But not going to happen. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, do you get optimistic about the year changing or are you just this like me? This is just whatever. It's a little different this year just because for most people, 2020 was really shitty. So the the fact that a new year could bring new possibilities, I guess, is a little greater for me this year. But overall, it's not that big of a deal. To me, it's kind of like the whole, I'll do it Monday, or I'll start at the gym Monday, or I'll, I'll start eating healthy Monday. 
same concept. It's like, I'll, I'll start at the beginning of 2021 because it's a new year. Eh, you're probably not going to. Things are probably going to stay the same way they were. You're just hoping that they will do them on their, it'll do it on its own because it's a new year. You know what I'm not looking forward to are all those new year's resolution. I got to shed the winter pounds people at the gym who are going to take up all the space along with all the other shitheads that I've talked about. I was going to say you, this year, you already hate uh, your gym. So oh, I'm going to hate it even more. I know it. I didn't go. I haven't gone. Um, I haven't gone yet. I worked out at home yesterday and on the first, I didn't do anything. I took the day off, but, um, I have to imagine that it's a lot worse in a bigger chain gym too. Like you had, like you're in 100% because it's full of the people that are like, Oh, 20 bucks a month. Yeah, let's do it. 2021 is going to be my year. <laughs> you're going to be walking at a two for 15 minutes. They're going to break a little sweat and they're going to go lie around by like the ab machine and the, that stupid leg machine. What is, it? is it, what is it? A quad machine where you kick your leg out. I love when I see people on that or when I see guys on the, the, the thigh master type machine, oh my God. like, I'm like, bro, you do not need to be on that. sir. <laughs> Are you going to be giving birth anytime soon? Go to something else or whatever. Yeah. At least you're in the gym. Who knows? Um, you know, what didn't make me hopeful for this year is that bullshit Netflix show. You had me watch. It should that actually should have made you hopeful, because it was ba- it, it, it was death to twenty twenty. It was basically all the bad shit that happened in twenty twenty, so it should give you hope for the new year. It didn't. No. No, no. What it did make me hope for is that the people that made that film get hit by a meteorite, because <laughs> it pissed me off. Let me ask Here's you: the- have, have we have we ever talked about Black Mirror before? Who? The show on Netflix, Black Mirror. Have you ever seen it? I thought you said Black Beer. And no. I thought you were talking about Black Bear, the musical artist. Um, no, I have not. Okay. Not my thing. Not my thing. Okay. Well, it's the... I, I've, I've, I've peaked at like five minutes of it. Okay. And I knew that it was so I have not watched it. Okay. I only ask because the this Death to 2020 was from the creators of Black Mirror. Of course it was. <laughs> now it makes let sense. Me, let me guess. Not your thing. <laughs> Not my thing. Well, dude, it, here's what bothered me about it. First of all, it was a propaganda piece. Whether they want to admit that or not, it was. Now, when it started, I felt like the views... Let me back up. If you're going to have Samuel L. Jackson and Leslie Jones and these other people, let's just focus on those two to start. If you're going to have Samuel L. Jackson and Leslie Jones basically come onto this program and give their own opinions... Why not just have them represent themselves instead of giving them fake character names and fake identities? That that was kind of odd. I wasn't, I I didn't understand that. Like at first I thought with that, they were actually trying to portray a real person. Like I thought the name was actually someone. Oh, I didn't think that. But at first that's what I thought. And then I, when I, once I started actually get, you know, get 10, 15 minutes into it, I'm like, this is kind of odd because they're, like they're given someone else to be who's fake, but they're giving their own opinions or is it their own opinions? That, that's that's the other question too is like, do you, is it? I don't know. I think they are. So here's here. This was my perception to start. So when, when it started, I texted you immediately. I was like, I'm five minutes in and I'm already pissed off. 
because they've given Samuel and Leslie Jones these fake characters and these fake identities. And they started giving their opinions on things. Now, the first, we'll, I'll, I'll even give them, I'll give them more credit than they deserve. The first half of it, I felt like everyone was kind of down the middle. No one leaning too far left, no one leaning too far right. Oh, and then they started talking about George Floyd. And boy, did Samuel turn into Samuel real fast. And boy, did Leslie Jones turn into Leslie Jones real fast. No one is going to convince me that those weren't just their opinions right. on the situation. I get it. So my question is, why not just fucking stop being cowards and say, I want to be in it. I'm going to treat it like a fucking documentary. I'm going to give you my opinions while being funny in some parts. Instead, they hide behind these fake identities and these fake characters for people to go, well, maybe they really don't feel that way. Dude, as soon as Samuel L. Jackson started talking about George Floyd and he, and he started spouting off real facts, by the way, a lot of the stuff that they talked about in this thing was factual. And then there were some things that were exaggerated for humor. But when he started talking about real numbers, about how long it took the police to show up when the cop, when the police were called on George Floyd with his counterfeit 20 and how long it took the police to get arrested after the fact and all this, I'm like, okay, this just got real. So how are we going to spend 35 minutes being a parody type type deal, type program, and now now things are getting real? It just was very cowardly of me, or of them, and I, I just, it, just, it just made me appreciate it less. But, it, but that's the other thing. So the old British guy was played by Hugh Grant. Now, why didn't you just have Hugh Grant and just make up some fake name for him as well. No, we doctored him up. We put makeup on him. We gave him fake hair. Gave him everything except changing his fucking blue eyes. And it took me 15 minutes. I look over at my wife and go, is that fucking Hugh Grant? She goes, yeah, <laughs> dummy. I'm like, well, excuse me. He looks like an 80-year-old man. What am I supposed to do? Like, that's movie magic, I guess. Um, so why not just – I don't know. I, the whole thing pissed me off because it was just propaganda. That started in the middle, and then it was very left-leaning by the time it ended. And it was just, whatever. Like, we need more propaganda. Like, we need more left versus right bullshit in 2021. I guess that's my whole thing, is why, as to why I didn't like it. It started in the middle, and it turned into the left complaining about the right. That's what it was to me. So if it, was, if it would have stayed in the middle somehow throughout the show, the movie, then you would have been more okay with it? I would have been, yeah, whatever. It would have been... I still would have disliked the idea that we have two, I mean, two recognizable faces playing characters in this thing, you know, I, I, I don't it, it would just, it just struck me as odd. And I think like toward the end, they tried to kind of reel it back in when they started talking about Biden winning the election, they started to goof on Biden a little bit as to kind of fool us into thinking, Hey, we're not, <laughs> we're not liberal. This isn't a liberal <laughs> propaganda piece. Like we're making fun of old Joe. Like, no, no, no everyone's making fun of old Joel because he's 1000 years old. <laughs> Pretty easy to make fun of, you know? Um, it just, whatever. <laughs> is, that all, is that it? Is that all you got? <laughs> it. Like, it, well, that's when, what, it, but that's been my reaction to this, the tail end of the year. Anyway, when you're going through the election and going, you know, left versus right. It's gross to me. So my reaction to most of it, most of the time, is going to be whatever. Because I'm on either side. I'm not. So what made what what made you intrigued enough to finish it? 
because you told me to watch it. Wow. I didn't know I had that much authority. I'm, I'm, I'm cool I mean, I wanted that. to have something to talk about today. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you how I binged the entire third season of Cobra Kai yesterday, too, but Did you, you probably man? haven't watched it. I have not yeah. watched an episode. Oh, man. I love it so much. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Well, look, my wife thinks I'm a nerd because of it, and I'll, I'll take that. Which, by the way, did you see the my Instagram story, like, I don't know, a couple days ago, whenever it was, it was before the new year actually happened, but Sling gives you your year in review. So my top three programs on Sling for the year, Sports Center, Saved by the Bell, and Sports Center Special. <laughs> and so I just, I posted a story on my Instagram. I'm an asshole. That's all I put with a picture of that, of my top three. Um, so as you could, as you could probably imagine, if Saved by the Bell is one of my wo- most watched shows as a grown man with a child, I'm probably going to like the show Cobra Kai, which I do. I love it. I fucking love it. But that it, it's, it's targeting me because I grew up on the Karate Kid. Yeah. The first one, I mean, the, I, I was still, I mean, when the first Karate Kid came out, I was a baby. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was a baby. But, but, you know, once I was a small child, it was still a relevant thing that had happened. So I watched them and, you know, I grew up on the Karate Kid. So like that show is targeting me. And then I think what they're trying to do is get it, you get young kids to like it as well, because it's not just about all of the old characters. They introduce these new characters, which are kids now, teenagers. Um, So they try to make it sort of relevant to young adolescents and teenagers today which they have to. Otherwise, I'm the only demographic. The only people who know what the hell is going on are people that have seen the Karate Kid movies. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, do you think the new Karate Kid did the same thing? The new one. Well, new. I I mean new as in not old. I guess, who who did the last Karate Kid? Was that... uh, Oh, what's his name? Are you talking about the one with Will Smith's kid? Yeah, I guess. You know, I didn't watch that. That's that's shitting on my childhood. I don't appreciate that. Okay. That's like that's like redoing Back to the Future and having like, I don't know. I don't know a kid star today, but putting whatever bullshit kid star as Marty McFly. Don't do that. I think I just gave someone in Hollywood a bad idea, and that's probably going to happen now. Yeah, but well, it'll probably be. <laughs> There'll be promo for it tomorrow. I'm sure we'll see. <laughs> I've heard that they want to remake Back to the Future, which. It's bad enough they made two and three. We don't need a remake in 2021. Please don't do that, Hollywood. Please. You shit on my childhood enough as it is. But Cobra Kai is not. I Cobra. It's just. It's it, it's just fun. It's just nostalgia for someone like me who grew up on the movies. And why can't they do know. that with other shows? Why 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 do why does anything else have to be shitting on your childhood? But this one's fun and it's okay. Because they used all of the original characters. Okay. They're bringing back a lot of the original characters, like. This season, they brought back, I mean, they, they really have dug deep. And they've brought back people where you're like, wow. A, didn't know that person was still alive. B, look at them go. Like, but now they're <laughs> look old. At them go. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting, too, because the two stars who are adults, so Ralph Macchio and um, William Zabko, who plays, in my opinion, who the show's made, the show was made, he's like the new Mr. Miyagi. Okay. If you even know what I'm talking about, I do. Have you but, seen but, Karate Kid? Yeah, but I'm I'm curious about Ralph Macchio. Has he had like a legit acting career since? 
that or no? Since Connecticut? Yeah. I mean, he was in My Cousin Vinny. Okay. Which, uh, after that, it gets a little bit foggy. I mean... Well, that's the, that, that's the reason why I ask, is because they brought him back. Like, does it look like he never lost a step? Or has... I mean, can you tell? These are 50-year-old men, dude. Yeah, I know. They've lost... Okay. <laughs> but, they, but they look good for their ages. Okay. And then they've brought back some of these other characters, and boy, do they look rough. Man. Um, so... Yeah, he's lost a step, but they they really are in some scenes still doing karate. And, and I'll say this: it doesn't look terrible. Okay, it doesn't look terrible. So, <laughs> what can you do? I, it's just it's it's like again for me, it's just a very entertaining show, nostalgia. So I, I binge watched that before your your bullshit death two thousand twenty <laughs> fucking thing. So off. okay, so you said you so you watch Sling a lot. Is that just because of like cause you can get Sports Center on other platforms, right? Is there anything yes. specifically on Sling that you have Sling for? It's just not. A, I didn't don't think it's more a more common thing to have. I, have right? I mean, it's pretty cheap, and I I mean I got it for ESPN and okay, ESPN two three classic <laughs> o- um, Ocho Ocho. <laughs> ESPN 8. <laughs> um, I mean, it's really, uh, yeah. But the only reason that Saved by the Bell is one of my top watch programs on Sling is because IFC, like every other morning, plays like eight episodes in a row. So I had to put it on for my son to make sure that he liked it. And sure enough, I have video of him laughing away at Saved by the Bell. My wife was like, you got to be kidding me. Because <laughs> she absolutely <laughs> hates it whatever i'm a nerd it's fine so do you legit like the storylines and everything in it still or is it more of a nostalgia thing okay like do you really think i legit legitimately think like screech having a pet robot that helps him uh, no no that helps him win a beauty contest that's only meant for girls do i like that storyline no it's nostalgia it i'm not gonna lie it kind of upsets me that you have (laughs) that you know all of that Screech's robot, Kevin. I mm-hmm. dude, I I know all this. Man, stuff. talk about a guy who's fallen down a hill in his life. Is he in jail? The last time Justin. I checked, but I don't know. Didn't he do porn for a little while? I think he made uh porn. Okay. And I think and it was super super cringe. I remember like maybe like Howard Stern or one of these radio shows played like clips of it and he was talking about his Saved by the Bell castmates in the porn. Whoa. Like, I bet you, like, I bet you Zach's never fucked like this before. Like, something oh my like God. Like, it just made me, it, it, it was, uh, like, how do you, like, I know it's like, what I'm about to say sounds funny, but how do you cringe at a porn? Like, you go into a porn knowing that it's cringeworthy. That's why it's porn. You know what I mean? So, like, you shouldn't be as, you shouldn't be so shocked when watching a porn that you could be so cringed. You know what I mean? By by something happening in it. He did it, though. Good for you, Dustin Diamond. Yeah. Well, I also, I think, didn't I hear a story about him, like, pulling a knife out in a club or something like that? I think no. that was one of the times he went to jail, maybe. I don't remember for sure. You, I might have made that up. Someone, though, you strike me as someone, though, who would be a fan of his stand-up comedy. Well, like, I, if he were playing next week, I feel like you would go. Is that an insult? I don't know. <laughs> 
I'm thinking that's an insult, and I don't, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> well, uh, all right. I, I, you know what? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say no, you wouldn't do that. Good. All right. I appreciate it. <laughs> what was that show? He was on a reality show where you had to lose weight. Like the biggest? You... No, not like the biggest loser. Celebrity Fit Club. I've, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Oh, dude. It was reality television gold. So his season... So basically, they, they have these celebrities on who are need to lose weight. So they have like uh, some sort of like army general who like does physical training with them. Then they have a nutritionist and a therapist. And they're like the panel, you know? And they sit there and sort of evaluate their progress and where they're at mentally and physically and all this stuff, right? So screech in his season gets into it all the time with this this military guy challenges him to a fight and i think for real like everyone was sort of like damn if if he gets away from people holding him back right now we might see a celebrity murdered live on television (laughs) like like it could it could happen um but his season his season was so good Warren G was on his season, and I want to say that DeBrat was on his season. Like, the cast for his season was just so fucking good. Um, it was just so funny. Like, hearing Warren G talk to Screech from Say by the Bell about losing weight, that's hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, but what, yeah, so, yeah, he was on that show. I didn't know. I, I to be honest with you, I, I thought I was taking a wild guess and kind of making it up is he really in jail still he was i don't know for sure that he is now and you say it's because he pulled a knife on someone i think i could be misremembering that but i'm pretty sure looking him up okay speaking of that well not really speaking of that but you you mentioned stand-up comedy and i was just listening to the risotto show the other day and they were talking, it was a rewind deal, and uh, they went back to their interview with Burt Kreischer. Have you yeah. heard his story about how he met Will Smith and all that? Like how Will Smith is part, like the a huge part of his, him having the career he has right now? Yeah, is it the story about how he thought Will Smith wanted to fuck him? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've heard it. If that story is fake, then it's pretty, he did a pretty impressive job with how he did the setup. Well, I mean, look, if he's had to tell that story 5,000 times because that's the genesis of his, of his career, yeah. I'm sure he's yeah. gotten pretty good at telling it, you know. Considering he's, he is a, sta- you... considering he's a stand-up comedian and that's what they do for a living is they tell jokes and then every time they pick at it and try to change it to make it funnier here or different here or whatever. So if he's told that story a million times, then maybe, maybe he has added or exaggerated different things. Who knows? That was going to be my point. It's like, I guarantee you you could go back to the archives and listen to one and then listen to one, say like two years later, and you're going to find things that are different and you're going to find holes in it, but whatever, who cares? It is a funny story. I mean, it's a funny, it's a funny story, you know, you hear it once, I think you've heard it enough. I don't think you need to hear it more than once. <laughs> in May 2015, Dustin Diamond was convicted of two misdemeanors, carrying a concealed weapon and disorderly conduct. That June, a judge sentenced the actor to four months in prison. He was released on parole after serving three months, but he violated the agreement in June 2016 after he was caught using oxycodone. Jesus. 
But yeah, he did get into a bar fight in Ozaki County, Wisconsin, and he had a switchblade on him. Homeboys, uh, having a who would who would huh? who would have known that Screech would end up later in his life needing to carry a switchblade around? You know, one of the things that people give me shit about as being a super fan of that show, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of agree with them, but why were the most popular kids in school friends with this this dork? That's a valid question. And I, I think about it, I try to come up with different reasons why every time someone asks me, and yes, it's been more than once, which is pretty sad about my life, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I try to come up with different reasons why, and I, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I fall short every time. I can't come up with anything that convincing. I feel like if I do, though, I should rewrite the show and pitch it to a network and make some money, you know? I'm pretty sure the show has been rewritten with most of the same several, cast, and apparently... Several times. Has that already been out? Or are we still waiting on it? Yeah. No, it's out. It is. Have you watched it? I. I is this shitting it, on your childhood again? It might be. It might be. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to give it a chance to see? So my sister told me that she watched because she also loves Say by the Bell because again we grew up on it. But she she watched two episodes and she said it was a rough watch. So. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't think I will. Okay. I tried watching the, uh, so they did like a follow-up, like the new class and Screech was on it. He was like a, an advisor or something. He was the only one from, and I, I couldn't watch that. Like, I, I was like, this is not saved by the bell. Can't watch it. I'm done. Um, but my, my, my wife's a pretty big fan of saved by the bell as well. I wouldn't say super fan like you, but I, she's a pretty big fan. I, I can't, I can't. Like it was a little before, maybe like a couple of years before my time, I guess, like when it was big. So I didn't get into it as much as most did, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. It was just not, not my thing. Although there were, although there are many other shows out there that were my thing <laughs> that you would probably call ridiculous. Boy Meets World. Yes, sir. One of the worst shows ever made. I've been binge watching it over the past couple of days, by the way. The biggest pussies in the history of television. Whatever. Juan and Corey. You were probably a Wonder Years guy. <laughs> no, I didn't get into that show either. No? My, well, actually, you know what? I didn't get into it, and maybe it's because my parents watched it. So maybe I associated were... with grown-ups watch this, and it's not for me. I got Even you. though it was for me but that's a little bit before my time even still like when wonder years was like a hit i was still very young gotcha and i think by then it had passed me by like once i was kind of old enough to kind of get into it gotcha i only mentioned that I be terrible stuff from my childhood though man trust me i mean i, I only mentioned that because of the brothers because of the savage brothers now why is that i'm confused have i have i talked about the savage brothers before or what no, I said I only mentioned Wonder Years because of the Savage Brothers. Because uh, I was talking about Boy Meets World. So I tied in Wonder Years with that because of the brothers. I met the Boy Meets World dude at a club in L.A. Really? He was, yeah, swear to God, he was partying with uh, Craig Robinson for whatever reason. I can't, see him, really as a, I can't see him as a partier. Which one? Corey. What's his real name? 
Oh, don't make me something savage. Ben. ben savage. I'm sorry, Ben Savage. Yeah, we just said that. Called him. You called him his character name. Um, yeah, I saw Corey. I actually nudged the. Hey, yeah, that's Corey. So anyway, he knew. He knew a friend of a friend of the group that I was with. So we ended up in the same sort of general area, whatever. He was actually really cool. Like he came up to us and started talking to us, was just kind of being cordial and just sort of, you know. Um, we should have him yeah, on the show. Was, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be like, hey, remember that time in 2000, <laughs> I don't know, 12, that you met me for 10 that, minutes? At a, that's a good starting uh, point. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he was partying with Craig Robinson, and they were they were both like dancing with like they had like three or four girls around the both of them, and they were dancing to that uh, "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go" song, that Wham song. Okay. Legitimately dancing, like getting down, like da- like but like goofily to that song because that song's goofy. Mm-hmm. You know, dancing like George Michael's would have in the video. Um, so they were two. They were, I mean, they were both nice guys, like fun dudes. Craig Robinson was kind of more distant from our group, but Ben Savage was a nice guy. That was a, that was a I'm, weird I'm, night. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that was a weird night. The only reason that I ended up, I remember this too, because the only reason we ended up at that club is because we were actually trying to go to a show, and the show was at capacity, and they wouldn't let us in. And we had gone online and purchased tickets to it, and they were like fairly expensive because it wasn't like a like a pageant type place. I mean, this was just like a, a basement sort of like dive that um, a rapper was playing at. And they're like, no, we're at capacity. I'm like, well, we have they're like, you should have got here earlier. <laughs> and like all of us were like, you got to be kidding me. Like it, it got to the point where like a few of the people we were with were getting loud with the bouncers. And they're like, we're going to call the police if you don't fucking leave. We're not letting you in. I was like, guys, let's just go. Like, it's not even worth it. Who was the rapper um, you were trying to see? Do you know who T. Mills is? No. I've been told that I look like him, so I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a funny picture when we're done of a side by side of the two of us. Um, I don't look like him now. Like, if you saw him now and you look at me now, I don't. I don't. You probably wouldn't see it. But when I was younger, I get. So here's the thing. He had. He had a song about vans. The shoes. Okay. It got popular. I don't know. Again, I, probably around 2012 when we were trying to see him. But the video, I was at a bar with a bunch of friends. Um, and they had the video up on, you know, bars play music videos. So they had the video up on the giant, giant screen there at the bar. And one of my buddies, one of my good buddies goes, bro, look up at the TV right now. Who the fuck is that? And I look up and I don't, I'm like, I just see a bunch of chicks shaking their ass or whatever. And I'm like, who, what are you talking about? He's like, wait, wait, wait. And he goes, look, and I look up and I go, I don't know who that is. He goes, did you start a rap career and didn't tell any of us or what? I was like, I don't think that looks like me. And so then like the conversation started like, no, bro, that looks exactly. So, but when, at the time we had like the same hair, I still had giant gauges in my ears. So did he, we looked similar. We were both white guys. How about that? (laughs) Okay. White guys with big noses and tattoos and piercings. Well, we'll... yeah, um, I'll send you a funny picture. But that's who we were trying to see, and it wasn't because like we were like fans. We just thought it would be funny, like we were being ironic by going to see him. I think more than anything else. Gotcha. Which looking back on that now, I'm kind of ashamed of that. But what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> it probably would have been fun. I mean, it would have been a good time. But 
that's how we ended up at that place and met Ben Savage. That's a um, heck, that's a heck of a story to meet Corey Matthews. See, I, I tried not to <laughs> tell it that way because again, I'm not. Um, I just still can't see him partying. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. Uh, he was. He was fun, man. He was cool. All right, so we have our guest in the waiting room here. Oh snap! All I'm right. gonna go ahead and hit him. A little pause break here to let you know that the CEP Network now has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you to use. Just go to truenutrition.com, look at all their great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in CEPN in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. It's that easy. All right, world, we are back, and we do have our very special guest for this episode, episode 49 of Raising on the Radio. The newest member, our newest signee to the UFC, undefeated rising star, Natan Levy. Sir, thank you for joining. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I'm sure that, mm. that hasn't gotten old yet, hearing newest uh, one of the newest fighters to sign with the UFC. That's still probably a sweet taste, right? Uh, that's all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so bad, right? So tell us about your story, because we, you know, we've been following you for quite some time now. Um, I especially... Um, on my personal page, and then we've been following you on, on our page. But following your journey, I mean, you got a, you got a very interesting journey that I think people need to know about. I mean, you yourself have kind of said in previous interviews that you feel like you got a late start to not only mixed martial arts, but just martial arts in general, you know, getting started with karate and then transitioning to MMA full time. You know, but I think you have an interesting journey that I think appeals to many people because you said it was kind of like getting in trouble as a teenager and getting in fights as a teenager is what led you to really start taking martial arts seriously. You know, what was that like for you growing up? Uh, yeah, you know, it really changed my life, uh, training karate. Like you said, most people would start training, you know, age five, seven, nine, ten, especially if you want to go somewhere with it as, a, as an athlete. But I started at 15 because I was getting in a lot of trouble and I was really just training for myself. Um, it's never too late to start. You can start karate when you're, 50 years old, it can only do you good. But uh, of course, with certain limitations, like I said, if you want to be a, a successful or high level and not just do it for your own wellness, uh, there's usually a, a, an earlier age to start. And I just, I was training for myself. I wasn't looking to be like a, a karate champion or anything like that. I just wanted to become a stronger, be a better person. And um, at some point I got that... Uh, thought in me that I do want to compete and do want to become uh, the best at what I do. And uh, I was watching a lot of MMA back then and I wanted to, that's what I wanted to do. So I kind of at the late age again, at 22, I left everything knowing only karate and flew to Vegas, uh, started my journey. That was seven years ago. Um, had to fly back and forth from Israel to the US because I didn't have a, a proper visa and just you know find my way around i didn't know anybody but seven years later we're here and i signed with the ufc seven years later and you not only did you sign with the ufc but won a contract with the ufc on one week's notice right that's insane yeah, two days notice two days notice so i gave you two i gave you more time than you needed so <laughs> you needed two days to prepare and get ready and uh, we both watched that fight i mean talk about that fight what's that process like i mean you're not prepared to go into the contender series and go 
and fight and try to win a contract. Now all of a sudden your mindset changes and you have only two days to think about that. I mean, were you able to game plan for your opponent or you just said, you know what, I'm going to go in there, fight the best of my abilities. And not only did you do that, I mean, you ended up getting the finish and impressing everyone. So what was the mindset for you leading up to that? Was, I mean, were you nervous or were you like, nope, this is my dream. I'm ready to go. Yeah. You know, I think I was prepared because, you know, chaos is a letter and, COVID had a bunch of chaos. I knew the whole year was crazy. People were pulling out of fights. You know, a lot of fighters took very short notice fights this year. And I knew I could be one of them. I knew that could be my shot in. So I was ready the whole year. I was training hard when everybody was sitting at home and, uh, you know, eating uh, Doritos all day. <laughs> I was out in the park training, running, lifting, uh, drilling with friends, with teammates. So I really think I was ready. And uh, for the game plan, yeah, you're right. I didn't have time to game plan or to really train for that specific opponent. I just came out and I was like, I'm just going to do my best. I'm not going to give him an inch. And uh, that's what I did. Yeah. Congrats again on that. That was a great fight and great performance. I do, before, Colt, before you ask your question, I do want to thank you, Natan, (laughs) because at the beginning of quarantine, I got really lazy with my workouts because I couldn't go to the gym. And I saw you posted on Instagram like a leg day you did in a park. You were doing jump squats and all this good stuff. And I was like, that's a great idea. Why don't I just go to – I got a park walking distance from my house. So that day I actually went to the park and did a similar workout, like this, similar to the one that you did. So I want to thank you for that. Anyway. That's awesome. I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. glad to hear. <laughs> I just wanted to know, so you said you came to Vegas uh, not really knowing anybody. What were your What was your connections? Like how did you get into a gym when you got here and things like that? Yeah, you know, I just – I kind of showed up, um, booked a hotel for the first few days and kind of, I thought I was going to go to a certain gym and do whatnot. And then a a friend of a friend of a friend just said, Hey, I know somebody in Vegas. Maybe you meet with him. Maybe he can help you. I said, sure. That'd be awesome. I met with that guy. Um, and he introduced me to his friend. It's a long chain, right? His friend is Jimmy Giff, and that's my coach till till this day. And we met seven years ago, and I had no clue like how good of a coach he is. I just thought, hey, he's an American coach. Let me meet him, right? We started working on the on the heavy bag. He told me we met. He was like kind of like doing me a little bit of a a test, kind of you know, is he gonna train me or not? And they told me, get into your fight stance. And I stood like really sideways, karate stance. And he, you know, he told me, okay, work the heavy bag. So here in Vegas, you got uh, 50 people on the mat and you got 50 heavy bags and you can do four rounds on the heavy bag and it's no problem. In Israel, everything is smaller. And you have 20 people training and you got one heavy bag in the room. (laughs) So we would do a line in front of the heavy bag and anybody would, everybody would go like 20 seconds as hard as possible and then next, next, because everybody's got to get to work. So he told me, go ahead, start working. And I thought it was going to be for 20 seconds. So I throw a million spinning wheel kicks, tornado kicks, everything I know through the, everything I have at the heavy bag. And a minute later, I notice he's not telling me to stop. And there's four minutes left on the clock. <laughs> and now I got to survive the rest of the round. Um, 
and I did. We did some more like pad work, and he showed me some stuff. Uh, after the heavy bag was done, I was like puking in the trash, and uh, he told me he's gonna he's gonna give me a shot and train me, and we're together to, till this day. And uh, only like after we've met, and you know, I kind of fell in love with the man, and uh, saw he had a huge heart, and he took me in. Only then I discovered he trained some world champions in MMA and boxing. So who are some of those world champions he's trained? Uh, Frank Mir, heavyweight yeah. world champion twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Forrest Griffin, light heavyweight champion in the UFC as well. Uh, Misha Tate, uh, women's bantamweight champion, beat Holly Holm for the title. And other than that, not like his fighters, but he trained McGregor, TJ Dillashaw, uh, all of Team Alpha Male he used to train them. So he's worked with a lot of great fighters. So no pressure on you at all. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure at all. You have to perform well. Yeah. Um, so talk about that karate a little bit because we you know we 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 thought it was funny that you had to you had to basically cancel an Instagram account because you had all of your you know karate videos up there and you had videos of your kicks and it was hard for you to get MMA opponents starting out because they saw those kicks and they wanted nothing to do with them. <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. What, what was the evolution of that? Uh, yeah, you know, when you're an amateur and you oh, and know you have no fights, that's usually kind of what they try and match you up against. You know, somebody who has no fights against the same or maybe somebody who has one fight, two fights tops, right? And um, those people like you, they want to get in there and win. And when they see like... Um, and they're also, they're not like veteran fighters. They're kind of scared. They don't know what really what they're getting into. And when they see like, uh, when they, I think when they saw like my Instagram that I had like 15,000 followers or something like that, black belt and the kick videos and all that, I think they just preferred to fight somebody else who's like less experienced. And you know, it's true. Not everybody starts amateur MMA after seven, eight years of karate training in Japan, training all day, every day. Most of the people who start an amateur MMA career have been training MMA for a couple of years. So I was like above that level, I think, and people didn't want to fight me. So it was very hard for me to get a fight until I finally closed my Instagram account <laughs> and then I started getting fights. That's crazy. Funny how that works. Good old social yeah. media, opening <laughs> yeah. doors everywhere. Right. So you mentioned you mentioned Japan and karate. So you moved to Japan when you were what sixteen to pursue karate. No, I didn't move. Oh, you didn't. I move. spent like uh, four months there. Okay. So you okay. So what what was what was the so what was the mindset behind that? Because kind of like with MMA, you just said, you know what, I'm just going to go do it. You know. Yeah. Is like that if I want to be the best, that's where I need to go. Gotcha. Train. Gotcha. Did you pick up on any uh, Japanese there? I saw you can speak three languages. Can you speak any Japanese? A little bit. A little bit? <laughs> okay. Just a tiny bit. Enough, enough to get to, to the train not station. Not as your fourth language? No, not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you, you have six fights professionally right now, right? All through the LFA, correct? Um, last one, true contenders. Okay. And then that's over like what kind of time span? Three years. Three years. In the UFC, what are you looking for? Like, how many fights are you looking for, preferably per year? Oh, I'd definitely be more active. 
you know, getting fights wasn't easy at the pro level either. And especially like I was supposed to fight my last fight before like for 2018 was like June. And then I didn't fight until August. No, sorry, my bad. Of 2019, I fought in June. And then I didn't fight until August of 2020. So I didn't fight in over a month and uh, a year and two months. So was that just because of fights falling through and COVID and all that. So like, I'd rather be more active. I'd like to fight three, four times a year in the UFC. There you go. I, I, that seems to be what people kind of are trying to do now. And it seems to be what the template is for the UFC now, or they're trying to get to that. They want fighters who are willing to fight, you know, a lot more throughout the year than just your once a year kind of guys. Yeah. I think it makes you better too, as a fighter. I think, um, especially for me, who kind of started late. I'm 29. I signed with the UFC. It's kind of an average. I think, I think most people sign with the UFC around that age, but some sign with their 19, 20, 21. So they got way more time to work and build themselves. I'm kind of, I think about to peak, peak physically and, um, and, you know, fighting is not a young man's sport only because of uh, experience and knowledge is such a big part of it. And the longer you train, the more years you have on the mats, the better you are. Of course, at some point, being fast and strong starts to overtake if it's too big of a gap. But uh, what I'm really trying to say is I have a few years in me to give it all. And if I fight once a year for the next four or five, six years, I'm not really going to get anywhere. Right. So you fought you fought at featherweight. Your fight to get into the UFC was at a catchweight, and then you, of all things, said, "You know what? I think 155 is where I need to be at." So now you're going to be entering arguably the toughest division in the UFC, and you've already said that your goal right now is to get a number next to your name. So I mean, he and I, Colt and I, joke about this all the time. Every time we watch a pay per view, every time we watch an event, every time a fighter is interviewed after they fight. The question gets asked, hey, who are you thinking you got next? Call somebody out. So, I mean, you've already said you want a number. You're entering in one of the toughest divisions. Who do you got your eye on? Yeah, I want a number, but um, I'm not like, uh, I'll just fight anybody they put in front of me, and I don't think I'll get a number after one fight in the UFC. Like, it right. doesn't work that way. Right. It's just, that's my goal for the year year and a half from now i'm not gonna call anybody out in the top five and chase clout you know that's that's why that's why we joke about it you get guys on there they win one fight i'm not gonna call anyone out but you get guys that have won one fight they automatically go i want a top 10 guy or like you just said a top five guy um i feel like part of the pressure behind that is paul felder or daniel cormier asking you the question you feel like you gotta <laughs> you gotta live up to something when those guys ask no you, you. Listen, you get a mic for two minutes, yeah. once every year, six months, whatever. Use it. Yeah. It's true. Like, it's good to call somebody out. But if you have a reason, don't be fucking, uh, you know, first fight in the UFC and you call out Connor. Or, <laughs> or you're not getting it, so go home. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, so... I'm going to have to just ask it. I want to know. We're, we're talking to a real fighter right now, so I have to ask it. You mentioned Connor. How do you, how do you feel about YouTube stars 
being put in the same conversation as real fighters like yourself, getting on social media, getting in front of a camera and calling out guys like Connor or Dylan Dennis. Obviously, you probably know who I'm talking about. We've already yeah. talked about him enough on the show. But how do, you, how do you feel about that? Do you feel it's well-deserved? Do you feel like they should even be in the conversation? I mean, how do you feel? I feel like the people are really like, like the Paul brothers I have nothing against them. If their people are stupid enough to want to watch them fight, <laughs> good for you. Like Thanks. I'm anybody who does well, I'm happy for them. So sure, sure. Yeah, I really think like every time I see an article, I want to comment like, why are we talking about this? But I know I'm gonna add a comment and add engagement to that post. So I just I would like people to kind of ignore it and let it die. But if they really want to watch it, go ahead, pay and watch it. I'm not paying. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, the last three shows we've done, that's we, we've kind of been saying the same thing is like, they're, they're going about the business the right way. They're ta- they, they know how to promote themselves. Obviously yeah. you know they know how to get people talking, but again, why are we talking about it? Why are we mentioning them, yeah. mentioning them in the same conversation? But true. I did laugh when they threw like a uh, toilet paper on the, uh, Dylan Dennis. <laughs> Anybody else, I'd be mad, but on him, it was funny. <laughs> is there a backstory there? It's just he's a troll. Okay. Like, I don't really think he believes the stuff he says on Twitter. Or I don't really think he, he's an asshole. At least, uh, you know, not as big as he is online. But uh, you're a troll, and then a super troll comes, and uh, I would outsmarts you out uh, out trolls you so that was funny <laughs> yeah we had we had our own theories about that whole situation but we won't we won't get into it i mean it, it, it again good publicity gets people talking keeps the keeps the names out there um but yeah it's it's just when the reason that we bring it up again is when we're mentioning them in the same sentence as real fighters and i mean look i mean logan's fighting arguably the best boxer of all time good for him but I don't think it's going to end well for him. I think it's bad for his health, no. but <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I read that you were inspired by martial arts movies, specifically Bruce Lee movies and the Rocky movies. Is this true? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. You know, it's more than that, but, um, it's a big part of it. Just growing up as a kid and always seeing fights and always wanting to fight. I got, I got to know, because you're talking to a guy who has the Rocky box set and two Bruce Lee box sets. So, favorite Bruce Lee movie, favorite Rocky. Go. Rocky Four. That's my man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bruce Lee, to be honest, I haven't seen them in a while. I really liked the Big, big Boss when I was a kid. Yeah. And... Uh, when they're on the island, Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon, yeah. Yeah. Two good ones. Okay. All right. I'll buy it. I'm with you. Rocky Four. <laughs> I just, funny story. I when, I when I was a kid, that was like my favorite movie to watch. I would take off my shirt and do the training montage with him when I was a little kid. My parents would look in the living room like, this kid's out of his mind. You should try it um, now. You should do that now. Nah, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> Trust me. It's, it's all good. <laughs> So let's get into, how about UFC 257 prediction? Who's fighting? Uh, Connor? Connor and Poirier, too. Mm-hmm. And then we got the co-main event. We got the Mofo Jojo and Jessica, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, JoJo's winning the co-main event for sure. And uh, I think uh, I love Poirier, but I just think Connor is going to snipe him. Really? You got, yeah. you got a, a round prediction on that? First, second, tops. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think it seems like, I mean, obviously we're still a few weeks out, but it seems like that's a lot of what I'm seeing out of fighters, analysts, everybody talking that people seem to think that Connor's going to get him within the first few rounds. But I think it's going to be an interesting fight. I think it'll be much different than the first fight, but who knows? Is, uh, is JoJo still fighting at Syndicate? Or training at Syndicate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got to stick with your teammate there. Good good call. Good call. I know. You know <laughs> I know what you can do. Yeah, yeah. She's tough, for sure. Well, we brought, it, we brought up that prediction because it's the 155 class. And so just out of curiosity, if we're talking, you having a number beside your name, let's look at big picture. And I know you said, like, you've got a couple of years in you where you can give it your all. But say, like, right now, Big picture, how do you stack up against top five in 155 division? Like, I think I could be a good uh, training partner for them. I think I could <laughs> okay. give them uh, good work in the gym. I don't think I have uh, the credentials to step in there with them in the cage. I think I need to work my way there before I can open my mouth. Gotcha. So you think, like, you're... you're uh, your upbringing of karate, you think that it helps you a lot, just like a Wonder Boy or something like that? Like it's it's unique. You have different ways of doing different things to, you know, outmatch opponents? Yeah, I think it's unique. I think it's um, like a different range, different timing uh, from a lot of other combat sports that people use in MMA. And, um, you know, I learned boxing. I learned Mu Muay Thai. I'm not like, oh, I'm coming to represent karate against all these other styles. I'm going to represent myself, and I use karate as well, and not only physically as a fighting style, but as a way of thinking, um, as a way of life. But uh, I learn all the other things, and most people don't learn karate as well as one of the, those disciplines they use. So I think that's my age. Not to mention, I mean, you're finishing your fights with your jujitsu. We haven't even yeah. talked about that yet. <laughs> you're, you're you're such a threat on your feet with your karate. You're you're also winning fights with your jujitsu. I mean, how how long have you been training jujitsu? Uh, seven years since I got here. Okay. And I didn't know anything on the ground, but I started training um, twice a day jujitsu, on top of MMA training and boxing training and all the things I had to learn here. So I would train four or five times a day and may always make sure at least two of them are uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I think that helped me a lot. Nice. I mean, nice. I mean, seven years, I mean, it, it seems like a long time, but it's really not that long when you think about Jiu-Jitsu, right? It's not that long. It's about, like, like you said, like um, it feels like eternity, but at the end of the day, people who train... 15, 20 years, you know, they they show you there's different levels to this. And um, also the first four years I was doing jiu-jitsu, I was still living in Israel. So I would only train it when I was in Vegas, three, four, five months a year. But now that I've been living in Vegas for four years and I found a good coach of uh, jiu-jitsu in Israel as well, no matter where I am, I'm training. 
Gotcha. So with, with being from Israel, you're, you know, you're the third fighter. You're the only fighter in the UFC currently from Israel. You're the third in its history. So, I mean, how, how important is something like national pride going to play into your career in the UFC? I mean, we've seen with other fighters like, you know, Jose Aldo in Brazil, I mean, he's a hero there. I mean, when Connor, you know, emerged into the UFC, he had the Irish, I mean, basically a whole country of Ireland, it seemed like was on his side. So, I mean, how important is that going to be for you, you know, growing up in Israel, being from France, how important is that going to be for, for you moving forward? Uh, it's very important. You know, it gives me a strength to know I have a lot of people behind me that I'm representing and my people. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud to be the, the only one. I hope I'm not the only one. I hope I won't stay the only one for for too long. I hope more will join me. Some are on their way. Um, but yeah, right now being the number one fighter from Israel, that's pretty big. Uh, me as a fighter, I always wanted to be good. I didn't want to be good for an Israeli guy. You know, I didn't want to be like uh, good com compared to something. No, I just want to be good. And uh, I think signing with the UFC proves that. And um, I'm hoping to start winning some fights there soon and, you know, proving proving myself and my country. I mean, you've been, uh -huh. you've been gunning for the UFC since the beginning, right? Like with uh, when you got into LFA, you the UFC was the number one thing you wanted. And you were like offered a Bellator fight, correct? And you turned it down because you were gunning for the UFC instead? Yeah, correct. So, I don't like... Um, I think that organization, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want anything to do with it. Really? J yeah. Just be. I mean, do you just think they're not up to par with the UFC, the, the best fighters aren't in the Bellator, or what, what's the reasoning behind that? Look, when I fought in LFA, which is a, an awesome promotion, you could say, probably most people would say Bellator is a higher level organization, right? Okay. But um, I really think like for growing talent, LFA is way better. And for uh, fights that are evenly matched, LFA is way better. And for not, um, you know, throwing tomato cans in there with uh, to pad records and stuff like that, LFA is way better. So I would much rather uh, fight for LFA, even if they don't have the same name recognition. Uh, I like to fight in a clean, clean place. You know, um, I don't want any shenanigans going on around, and people might think I could be part of it or something could be wrong with my fights. So I'd rather not. That makes sense. Gotcha. So one last question, Natan, and we'll, we'll let you go. We, again, thank you for joining us. I mean, you said hopefully you'll be fighting soon. Is there anything in the works? Any contracts been thrown out there? Any opponents been named? Like, what do you got going on? Uh, not yet, but I'm really – I think I'll get a word soon since um, it's January – and I'm supposed to fight beginning of 2021. And by supposed, I mean, that's what I, I feel like the UFC is aiming for. So I'm pretty sure I'll get a date soon. Awesome. Well, hopefully that happens for you, man. We're, uh, we're both pulling for you, not just because you came on the show. I mean, we've been following you. We're, we're, we wish you nothing but the best and hopefully uh, a successful run. And we can't wait to watch you fight. And 
talk about it afterwards. That's like, like I said, we MMA is a giant part of the conversation on our show. Like we're both big fans. So we appreciate you coming on today, man. So good luck to you. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a good one. See you guys. See ya. And we are back from our interview with Natan Levy. And so what's your overall thoughts here? The guy's an ass kicker. <laughs> nothing, nothing but business out of that guy, man. That's true. I mean, obviously, things could change once he wins a fight. And, you know, I uh, he, he that was a great answer he gave, though. And I was like, look, when you got a guy like Paul Felder or Daniel Cormier asking you to call somebody out, somebody out he goes, look, you're on a microphone maybe twice in one year. You got to make the most out of your time. So it was almost like he was kind of like answering the question twice. Like, yeah, I'm not going to call anybody out, but if I could put in the situation, I might say, fuck it and do it. You right. know? Yeah. It was almost like I got to be in the situation to know whether I'm going to do it or not. So yeah, man, he's an interesting guy, uh, you know, for someone who got such a late start, even though he says that, like, I get it. Like the record doesn't, the record says it definitely. I mean, he's only had six fights, but I mean, he's been fighting for a long time. You know, he's, well-rounded like he's gotten good at more than just one aspect of the game mm -hmm. um six and fights it, six it, wins, it almost speaks it, it speaks volumes to him too because it's as he said he's not been doing it for as long as a lot of these fighters have a lot of these fighters yeah. start at four and five years old you know so it, it, it speaks volumes to him for where he's at and how he's been winning these fights for just the amount of time that he's been doing it yeah it's it's pretty incredible so I don't know, man. We'll have to, like you said, he doesn't have a fight booked yet. Hopefully we see him soon. Um, you know, like I said, I, before we started the show, I was following him on Instagram. I mean, he's, he's an active dude and he trains hard. Like he, when he's not, doesn't have a fight. I mean, all he does is post training videos. Yeah. The guy works hard. So, well, I mean, fiery story, man. We'll see. I was just thinking about that too. You know, he said he deleted that account, that Instagram account that had 10,000 followers on it. That was before he had a fight. Yeah. Like he was, he, he was an amateur still and he had 10,000 followers on Instagram. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, look, when you're able to do what he can do with, with the kicks and, you know, people love seeing that stuff. Yeah. I mean, when you, when he throws up some of those kicks he's able to do in slow motion, I mean, it's almost like not to sound corny as fuck right now, but I'm going to, it's a work of art. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, that's, that's athletic ability beyond, beyond my imagination. I mean, I, you know, so it's, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm anxious and, you know, antis anticipating seeing him fight in, in, in the, in the UFC and in the, on the big stage on, you know, like he said, on the biggest stage, right. You know, he considers Bellator to be all things considered a joke. So I, I was surprised to hear that. So, yeah. Well, I, we I, I, I think, fighters, so. yeah, I think a lot of that without him actually saying, it, I think a lot of that has to do with the testing and stuff like that, which is probably what he considers a joke. Yeah. And I point. get it. I get it. I mean, if, if that's how you feel, there's, you know, you don't want to be involved in that or be involved by association. So. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, good for him. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Our first show of 2021. We're not pretty well. We got to do something special for number 50. Are you going to dress up or what? I was hoping you were going to take your shirt off and do like a, some montage or something. I'll do a Rocky montage for number 50. <laughs> we, do, we do have a guest coming on for number 50, so I need to run that by him. I don't know so. That's true. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. I got Browns football to watch. I think they're still winning. Uh-oh.
I'm hoping so, actually. I have them today, so. Oh, good for you. Did you pick them to win? I did. Jesus. It's 10-6 Browns at halftime. There we go. I like it. All right. All right. We're out.